But we're starting a new series called The Power of Expectation. You probably pieced that together, figured that out. Shane and Carolyn put together a, a sign for us up here. Give it up for them. Isn't it, isn't it nice to have talented people? Uh, man, because I have none. And so I am grateful for people who are crafty, who are capable, uh, who make stuff happen. Thank you to everybody who helped uh, tear down our massive Christmas decor this week. It no longer looks like Snowflakeville in the Fellowship Hall or Christmas in here. I came in yesterday, last night, and it was a little bit sad. It's not as festive, uh, but also very grateful that I didn't have to do all that work. So thank you to everybody who made that happen. Um, question for you as we begin, what did you expect when you came to church today? What did you expect? For some of us, we show up with pretty clear expectations, right? We, maybe you expected three worship songs. Uh, maybe you expect, expected an offering time, a time of giving. Maybe you expected somebody to greet you at the door or expected some hot caffeine, courtesy of Pam Frey at the coffee bar, right? Like, you we have some expectations. Maybe you expected some amazing kids workers to take your kids off your hands and give you an hour and a half free from your children. Um, we, we all came in with expectations. Hopefully you expected God to speak in a mighty and powerful way. But I, I want to talk on expectations. And I think it's good for us to think about what are the things that we expect. I know for myself, um, I'm somebody who I, I, I get excited for the big moments, right? You guys may have picked up on this, but I'm a little bit emotional. Uh, and uh, I, I get excited, man, when we go to a conference. I'm bouncing off the walls, right? Like, I can't wait because I know God's going to do something awesome. Or I go to a concert and I'm, I, I, like, I, I get that little kid aspect, right? I just, there's something in me. I think it's the extrovert in me, but I just draw energy off of that stuff. I get very hyped and very excited. And those are really good things. And God, meets me at the point of my expectation every time. The problem is for me, and maybe for you, is that in most normal everyday experiences, my expectations aren't so high. You see what I'm saying? Uh, like, like in the, the normal, the mundane, the routine, my expectations are lowered, and I believe we serve a God who wants to meet us at the point of our expectations. Uh, and so if it's just another Sunday for us, then I don't know that we're going to leave change. I don't know that we're going to leave better. But if we come in expecting, God, you want to show me something. God, you want to do something in me. God, you want to make me more like Jesus because I gathered. I believe he will. I believe that's his goal every single time we gather, but not just when we gather. When you get alone, just you and God, what are your expectations like? Do you expect him to sharpen you? Do you expect him to change you when you spend 21 days working through this packet? Are you expecting God to do something or is this just drudgery and misery and work, right? Like it is not supposed to be work. I'm not saying it won't be hard. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it won't be challenging. It will. But it's not designed just to be work. It's designed to be nourishment for your soul, to strengthen you, to empower you. And you should find a point somewhere in the midst of this, and it may not be day one or even day three, but somewhere in the midst of this, you should find a point where you start looking forward to it. 
Man, where, where you start getting excited for it, where you start expecting something because you're, you're finding your pace, you're, you're hitting your stride, and you're seeing God begin to strengthen you. God begin to nourish you. God begin to do something in you. I believe we need to expect something of our God. On Sunday morning, expect something of our God when it's just us and him. Expect something of our God here in 2020. I believe that God is a God of expectation. If you study scriptures, we see God building expectation from the beginning all the way to the end, right? From the very beginning, Adam and Eve sin, and God begins to plant seeds of redemption, Seeds of the gospel, seeds of grace. They, they cover themselves with fig leaves. You've probably seen the pictures, right? But the fig leaves don't last very long because God steps in and he provides for them animal skins. He kills an animal to pay the price for their sin, to cover their skin, foreshadowing what is to come, that Jesus would die in our place to cover our sin and our shame. He builds this expectation. He, in, in the curse on woman, he says that, that they're going to have enmity between the woman and the serpent, right? Uh, that there's going to be this rivalry, this issue between the woman and the serpent. And he says that the serpent will bite at her, but she will crush his head. Hers is not just she, but her, this, her seed will crush his head. Again, referring to Jesus. So all the way back in Genesis 3, Jesus is expected. God begins making these promises, and he builds these promises all through the Old Testament. But it takes a long time for Jesus to show up. Thousands of years for Jesus to show up where they're living in an era of expectation. Now, Jesus arrives, and there's this expectation that for 33 years, they're waiting for Jesus to arise as king, right? They're waiting for Jesus to emerge, to take over. He's the Messiah. Start doing some Messiah stuff. And there's expectation, and he dies for our sins, and for three days, there's expectation. God, what are you going to do? We've lost. How are you going to move in this? What is your plan in this? And he raises Jesus from the dead just as Jesus had foretold. Then Jesus spends 40 days telling his followers, you need to expect something. I'm leaving, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And so he sends them to the upper room, and they wait and expect the Holy Spirit to show up. And now we live in the era of the Holy Spirit. We receive Christ and the Holy Spirit comes in us, lives in us. We have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, but we live in expectancy for the return of Jesus, right? So there's always this expectancy. And God could do things much quicker if he wanted to, right? He didn't have to wait thousands of years to send Jesus. He doesn't have to wait thousands of years for Jesus to return. He didn't have to make the disciples go wait in the upper room to send the Holy Spirit. Jesus could have just spoken and said, boom, be baptized, right? But for some reason, God sees value in building anticipation in us, in building expectation in us, in wanting us to wait on him and wait on something that he is up to. Luke chapter 3.15, we see the, the attitude of people as Jesus was getting ready to arrive. It says, the people were waiting expectantly, and were all wondering in their hearts if John, that being John the Baptist, could possibly be the Messiah. So John shows up on the scene and starts doing some cool stuff. Maybe he's the Messiah. Why? Because they're expecting God to 
fulfill his promises. Now, most of you know my wife and I, mostly my wife, are in a season of expectation right now. We are expecting our third child uh, any day. We are officially due January 22nd, but the doctors have basically told us it won't go that long, and it could be any time. Uh, so, so we are at a season of readiness, right? Like bags are packed, stuff is prepared. Like we've met with people who are going to take our older two kids while we're in the hospital. Like we, we, we're at that place where it's like go time. In fact, I think yesterday we checked off the final boxes that had to be done. Melody's like, okay, now I'm ready to have the baby, right? Like it's like the baby had to wait until this stuff got done, but now the stuff is done. It's like, okay, let's go, right? Uh, let's just get this baby out of me. Let's be done with this. And if you've ever walked with someone through pregnancy or been pregnant yourself, pregnancy is an incredible season of expectation. It would be so much easier if God just used the stork, right? Like this baby just shows up and you're ready to go. It would circumvent a lot of pain and discomfort and stuff that goes on. But God saw fit in his infinite wisdom to build into our system of life a season of expectation. I don't think... That's coincidental. I don't think it's accidental. I believe he had a reason and a plan for it. As we've been preparing for labor and delivery, preparing for this child to show up, it's caused me to to reflect on the two that we've had before. Uh, Five years ago, we had our first kid, Judah. And the delivery experience was not what we expected at all. Like I've, you know, seen all the movies and all the, the rushing through the hospital and the panic and the run and the stress. And it wasn't like that at all, right? We started having some contractions. We started timing some contractions. We debated for a few hours. Is this it? Is this not it? Turned out my wife was right. I was wrong. Uh, never happens that way ever. But in that case, it did. Uh, so we finally show up to the hospital uh, and, and we go through triage and they get checked in and from the time that we get there to the time that we have a baby is I don't know it was like 18 hours 16 hours it was a long time uh, a very slow process I'm not going to say an easy process or a casual process because that would be unfair to the one who had to push the baby out right Uh, but compared to what I had seen compared to the horror stories that I had heard she was not screaming obscenities at me she did not say why did you do this to me she did not tell me we were done right like it was a pretty chill experience compared to my expectations. Uh, so we've been through one labor and delivery. Now I know how this all works, right? <laughs> I know what to expect for baby two. So Alexa comes along 17 months later, and I've got this. I'm not worried. I'm not stressed. I know how simple this is going to be. It's going to be even better this time around because we've done it once. It is good. Her water breaks, and it is go time like that, right? Like completely opposite experience. We're, we're, we're waiting for somebody to come to watch our son so we can go to the hospital. We're literally in the car in the driveway ready to go when they show up to take Judah, uh, and I'm afraid I'm delivering a baby in the car, 
right? Like, like I am ready to see a head pop out in the seat next to me. Like, it is coming that quick, that fast, it is on. Uh, now, it didn't actually happen that way. It turned out that Alexa was sunny side up, which the doctors did not realize. They skipped triage. They took her in. Uh, Melody asked for painkillers. She had had uh, an, an epidural with Judah, and they were like, nope, that's off the table. We can't give you anything. This baby's coming too fast. So my wife, also my hero, birthed our second child. By the way, our first child was 5 pounds, 11 ounces. Our second child was 8 pounds, 11 ounces. Uh, She gave birth to Alexa with nothing, not so much as an aspirin. Uh, Turned out they would have had time. Yeah, you can give it up to Melody for that. She's a beast. Uh, Turned out they would have had time to give her something, not the epidural, but, but to give her something because Alexa was sunny side up, but they didn't know it at the time. And so it took about three hours, but it was a much faster process, much quicker, um, much more panicky, much more stressful, much more painful uh, without the benefit of medical technology uh, than round one. And so for round three, I have no expectations, <laughs> Right? I have learned I know nothing. Uh, I'm sure there are a million other ways this one could go than the two that we have experienced, so I'm just ready for whatever. Bring it on. We're going to do this thing one way or the other uh, and, and have this third child. But expectancy is a funny thing. In fact, the reality is there are dangers of poor expectations. I want to talk about the power of expectation, but first of all, I want to give you some dangers of poor expectations, because if we set the wrong expectations, if we set our expectations in the wrong direction, it can actually bring some harm into our lives. So the first one I want you to show you is this, is that unmet expectation brings disappointment. Unmet expectation brings disappointment. In John eleven thirty two, Lazarus has died, and Mary, his sister, rushes out to meet Jesus, And she says this, says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. They had sent word to Jesus that he's sick. They had asked him to come, and Jesus didn't show. He didn't arrive in their timeline. He didn't arrive to their expectations. You ever had some unmet expectations from God? Some things that you asked God for that did not happen. Thank you, Billy. Some, some things that, that did not arrive in the way that you were expecting. Unmet expectations can bring a lot of disappointment. Um, and so what we're not trying to do is to set you up to fail. We're not trying to set you up for discouragement or disappointment. In fact, the cliche thing to say as we begin a series like this is to expect the unexpected, right? There, there are going to be things in 2020 that we have no idea are coming. We're, we're not talking about planning the whole thing out and ex- laying everything out to where we know exactly what's going to happen. We're talking about setting some expectations so we have a direction, so we have a target of what we're pursuing. All of us have experienced unmet expectation that brings disappointment. Give you the second thing that can go wrong when we set expectations is that self-centered expectation produces Entitlements. Self-centered expectation produces entitlements. In uh, the book of Luke, chapter 7, 
Starting in verse 18, John the Baptist has been arrested. In fact, he's soon going to have his head cut off. He doesn't know that at this point. He knows his life is in danger. But he's been arrested. He's come before Jesus, and he's foretelling Jesus. He's proclaiming the Messiah. In fact, he said from every step, he's recognized that Jesus is the Messiah. But now, as his expectations of what that means are beginning to go unmet, as what it means for him, God, I didn't know it was going to take this from me. I didn't realize I was going to suffer this way. I didn't realize I was going to sacrifice this way. Look at how his faith is impacted. In verse 18, it says, John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Remember, John the Baptist was the first one who recognized the Messiah. He was in the womb, and he recognized Jesus in the womb. He leapt as in the womb in recognition that the Messiah was there, and yet now at this point, he says, are, are you even him? Or should we expect someone else? It says, when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus doesn't say, hey, John, I'm coming to get you out of prison. He doesn't say, hey, John, hang on. It's going to be rough, and they're going to take your life, but God's going to bless you for it in the next life. He doesn't even speak to John's situation at all. He answers John's question. John says, hey, are you the Messiah? And he says, well, here's what's happening. People are, the blind are receiving sight. The gospel is being preached. All of these signs that you foretold would come with the Messiah are happening. What do you think, John? Am I really the Messiah or not? Who do you say that I am? See, selfish expectation produces entitlement in us. When, when we have expectations that others are going to serve us, that others are going to do stuff for us, that other things are going to happen for us, and they don't, that sense of entitlement rises up within us. I remember a number of years ago, um, before I, I became the pastor here, I was working a job, and I was promised by my boss, out of the blue, a Christmas bonus. I had not had a Christmas bonus up to this point in time. Uh, and he just says, hey, we're, we're going to get you a Christmas bonus this year. And I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's 50 bucks or 500 bucks or 5,000 bucks, but it's a bonus, right? I am excited for my Christmas bonus. And Christmas rolls around and there's no bonus. In fact, not only did I not get a bonus, but I watched as other people got things. Uh, and can I tell you how hurt I was by that experience? How bitter I became in that moment. Why? Because an expectation had been created, right, that something was going to come my way and then it didn't come my way. Now, I didn't go all Clark Griswold when I didn't get my bonus, right, and I didn't get the jelly of the month. Uh, but, but I think many times in us we have these selfish expectations, these things that are supposed to happen for me, and if we're not careful, we get very entitled to those things. We, we get very upset when we lose those things. Um, so I want to encourage you not to set selfish expectations in the new year. That doesn't mean don't ask God for things, right? We, we serve a God who says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. Man, I want to walk out Matthew 7, 7. 
Uh, but if things do not happen the way you expect or in the time that you expect, be, be okay with that. Um, the third thing I want to show you when it comes uh, to poor expectations is that lack of expectation encourages settlement. See, why are we talking about expectations at all? Because if we don't have expectations, the danger is City Church in 2020 will look a whole lot like City Church in 2019. Or City Church in 2030 will look a whole lot like City Church in 2020. Or in 2050. See, I don't believe we are called to be the same. I believe we serve a God who takes us from glory to glory. Right, that we should be constantly progressing, constantly moving towards his best, constantly becoming more like Jesus. And if we don't have any expectations at all, it gets really easy to just be who we've always been. In fact, there's a phenomenon that psychology talks about. They call it the Texas sharpshooter phenomenon. Go ahead and throw that picture up there. This is the idea that if you have no goals, you have no expectations, you have no target, that you're the Texas sharpshooter, you start shooting wildly, and then after you've shot, now you go paint bullseyes on things and say, that's what we were going after, right? If you do that, you're going to hit the bullseye every time, right? But the reality is, if you aim for nothing, you will hit nothing. And I believe God wants us to hit some things. I believe God wants us to hit some targets. I believe God wants us to make some impact. And so I want to have some expectations. I want to have some goals for me personally, for me as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a follower of Jesus, for us as a church, as a congregation, as a, a, a group of people who are following Jesus together. I believe we need to have some things that we are expecting. So if we have no expectations, it will encourage us to settle right where we are. So let's talk about the power of right expectations. What, what is the power of having right expectations? What does that do for us if we can set our expectations correctly? Well, the first thing it does for us is right expectation increases anticipation. Right expectation increases anticipation. One of the coolest things about the pregnancy process is the anticipation. Man, we can't wait, right? Like my son and my daughter are dying to meet this baby. They are dying to know if it is a boy or a girl. They are debating every day and arguing. Judah is team boy and Alexa is team girl. I'm sure that shocks everyone. Um, and they cannot wait. They are so full of anticipation for their new sibling. And it's so fun to watch. I believe it's increased the anticipation for us. What would happen if when we gathered, we came in with expectation of God to move? What if we were anticipating the next chance we got to gather? What if we were anticipating the next time we got to go to a city group? What if we were anticipating our next Mission OB outreach opportunity to bless our city? What if we began to have an expectancy and an attitude of anticipation? Man, I can't wait for God to use me in this way. I can't wait for the next chance that, that we get to worship together. I can't wait for the worship night. What if, what if right now you just put the expectation out there, God? I believe through the next 21 days, you're going to show me something. You're going to do something in me, and you're going to give me something to share at the worship night. What if that was your expectation? There's going to be some anticipation growing within you. You're going to be looking forward to that. What's going to happen? You're going to be praying over that thing. 
right? You're, you're going to be preparing your heart and your mind. And that brings us to the second thing. Not only does right expectation increase anticipation, right expectation produces preparation. We start doing things to get ready. We start getting our stuff together. We start, man, lining things up for the pregnancy process. There's been a lot of preparation, right? You're getting things together. You're making sure you've got car seats and you're making sure you've got diapers and, and clothes and all of this stuff that comes with the preparation process. You're making sure you've got the, the, the home set up in a particular way. There's all kinds of stuff that comes with the expectation. And I believe that God, above anything else in this, God wants us to be people of preparation. What does he tell us that Jesus is coming back soon, and here we are 2,000 years later, and Jesus hasn't come back? Well, first of all, it's because it's soon to God, is not soon to us, right? Time to him looks a little bit different. A day is like 10,000 years to him, and 10,000 years is like a day. So his timeline looks a little different, but I believe he's telling us that Jesus is coming back soon because he wants us to stay ready. He wants us to be prepared. In fact, we've referred a lot to John the Baptist today. John the Baptist's responsibility when Jesus came was it was his job to prepare the way for the Lord. What preparations are you making for God to show up in your life in 2020? What preparations are you doing in your heart? What time are you making available for him that maybe you haven't made available? See, when you have a baby, it adjusts your schedule. Right? It changes the way you approach your day. Much worse for my wife than for me because she's the one who's going to be up in the middle of the night and do those things and she'll hate me because I can sleep through them. Uh, and we'll go through that again and we'll get through it together. Uh, but, but there's preparation that has to be made. I believe God wants to birth something new in us in 2020. I believe he wants to bring new life into our church body. I believe he wants to bring new life into you. Right? He wants to produce some things. He wants to bear fruit in your life. And I believe that there's preparation that has to be made for that. He teaches us this in a million different ways. He teaches us this through the law of sowing and reaping. Right? That, that we put a seed in the ground and it can be four months or six months or nine months before anything is produced in that. If we're growing a tree, it can be years before we actually see apples produced on that apple tree. That there's preparation that has to be made for the impact that is to come. And so God wants to do something, wants to start something in us, I believe, in January that we may not see fruit of until April or until September or until December or until 2037, right? Like God sees a much bigger picture than we see. And so as we start to build expectation, it forces us to make preparation. And in making those preparations, God is preparing us for things that we don't know what is coming. See, we can only prepare for what we're hoping for, what we're asking for, what we're believing for. Here's the beautiful thing. We serve a God who does exceedingly abundantly above everything that we can ask, think, or dream about, right? When, when we moved into this building, and I hate to use this building for, for every illustration, but it just applies in so many different ways. Man, when, when we moved into this building, if you're not familiar with the story, we've been in this building a little over two years, and we were given this building completely free. 
uh, debt-free, rent-free, expectation-free, like we were handed this building, which is an absolute incredible miracle of God, amazing provision. We'd been meeting in a storefront for about eight or nine years, and we were in the storefront, and what's amazing about it is about three months before we got the phone call about this building, we started a campaign to renovate where we were at. We started making preparations to expand, to do something better, to increase our ability to impact people's lives right where we were. And as we were preparing for something, we had no idea God was preparing us for something much bigger, right? So I'm not saying God's always going to meet you at the point of your expectation. Sometimes God sees your expectation and says, hey, I'm going to raise you so much, right? I'm going to go way better than that. But there's something about that season of preparation, I believe, that prepared us for what he wanted to do over here. I'm so grateful that we had done that, not just because we raised $22,000 that we were able to come over here and renovate with, although that was a great benefit, a great head start to the process, but we were preparing for change. We were preparing for transition. We were praying for God to move, for God to use us in our community, and God has this incredible thing over here in store for us that we had no idea for, but he took us through a season of preparation before he opens this amazing opportunity, this incredible door in our lives, man. The right expectation produces preparation in us. Lastly, I want to say that right expectation accelerates participation. Right expectation accelerates participation. Are you participating in the process that God has you in right now? You see, salvation is through him alone, right? You cannot save yourself. You cannot do enough good works. You cannot give enough money. You can't help enough people. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. And yet, in Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue, everybody say continue. Continue, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Says you got a part to play in this process. Now I can't save myself. I can't begin the salvation process. I can't end the salvation process. What can I do? I can participate in the salvation process. See, salvation is is all three. It is instantaneous. Where man, in that moment where you give your life to God, you are immediately saved, immediately cleansed of your sins, immediately promised a place with Him in eternity. But it's not just instantaneous. It's also continuous. That God is continually saving me. He's continually doing things in me to, to make that salvation evident in my life. And not only that, it's future, right? Ultimately, salvation will not fully be experienced until the day we stand before Jesus face to face. And so there's a part for us to play right now. It doesn't mean we save ourselves, but it means we're going to see, okay, God, I see you moving. I see you at work. I see this process going on in my life, and I want to be a part of it. Every amazing thing that we see God do throughout biblical history, he's always partnering with a man. He's always a woman. He's always partnering with a person. He's always coming down and saying, here's the part that I have for you to play in this. Not because he needs us, right? God doesn't need us to play a part. God could do anything he wanted. He didn't need Noah to build an ark. He could have raptured Noah, taken him out during the flood, and put Noah back on earth after the flood was over, right? He didn't need Noah to build an ark. Why did Noah have to spend 120 years building an ark? Because God always partners with the person. 
Because God always gives us a part to play in what he is up to. In his greatest miracles, you can always find something he asked of a person. And it's the person who obeys, the person who responds, the person who participates. That's the one who God moves mightily in their life. And so when we have right expectation, it increases our participation. We see, okay, God, I want you to do this in my finances. Well, I'm going to have to start getting on a budget, right? Like I'm going to have to put some work into this. God, I want you to open this door for me to, to make a career change. Well, I'm going to have to start filling out some job applications, right? They're not just going to pick up the phone and call me. I'm going to have to play a part in the process. God, I want to have a baby. I'm going to have to. I won't get into detail on that. Uh, <laughs> But there's some things you have to do to participate in that process, right? Uh, there, there, there's things that he expects of us in order to do the greatest miracles on earth. Man, childbirth is an amazing miracle. And yet he gives us a part to play. He always gives us a part to play. And so expectation increases our participation. So here's what I want to close with today. I want to give you very quickly seven things to expect this series. I want to set the path. We're going to begin getting into the nuts and bolts starting next week. We're going to begin getting into the, the, the nitty-gritty, the stuff that I think really matters. But today I'm just building a foundation. But here's what to expect throughout this series. Number one, expect to be challenged. Hopefully you probably put that together when you saw the expectation that we're going to take 21 days seeking God and we're going to read through the entire book of Genesis and 11 books of the New Testament, starting with the book of Hebrews all the way through the book of Jude. Man, that there's some expectation here. We're going to be reading about four or five pages or chapters in the Bible a day, some in the morning, some at night. For some of us, that's going to be a real stretch. For some of us, it's going to be a real challenge. Embrace the challenge. Embrace the challenge, man. I believe there's so much value in stepping out of our comfort zone, stepping beyond the usual, the routine, the mundane, and, and receiving that challenge. Expect to be challenged throughout this series. Second thing for you to expect is expect to be encouraged. Expect to be challenged, but also expect to be encouraged. It's said that Charles Spurgeon, the amazing 18th century preacher, uh, used to say that his job is to afflict the comfortable and to comfort the afflicted. Uh, so, so my job is to challenge you if you're comfortable, to get you out of that comfort zone, but it's also to encourage you when you're uncomfortable. Once you get out of that comfort zone, it's to come back and, and encourage you and come alongside you and to help you get to the place where God is calling you to go. That's what we want to do through this series. We want to challenge you, but we want to encourage you. Um, expect a week on what to expect as a church. We're going to take a week through this series and look at, man, what, what do we see God doing in City Church in the year 2020? What, what are his goals for us? What are the, the plans in our community, in our physical building, in some structural things? Like, what do we see happening at City Church in 2020? Um, you should also expect a week, number four, on what to expect from God. Uh, we're going to put some expectations out there before God in 2020. What should we expect from him in 2020? We'll have a week on that. Then we'll also close with, with a week on what God will be expecting from us. Expect a week on what God will be expecting from us. Those are our three messages the next three weeks. Teresa didn't get number four. Go ahead and put number four back up for Teresa. I see you, Teresa. We leave the 99 for the one. Everybody's, she ready. Hey, expect Expect a week on what God will be expecting from us. And then number six, uh, expect me to not be here for a couple of weeks. Uh, 
I'm going to take two weeks off when we have a baby. Uh, I'm going to take some paternity leave. And so I will not be here throughout this whole series with you. I'll be watching. I'll be worshiping. I'll be checking in. Um, but, but we're going to take some time as a family to adjust and transition and embrace this new opportunity. Um, and you guys have been so gracious to allow us to do that with the last two kids. And I'm grateful, so grateful for a church that, that I believe has reasonable expectations on the pastor's family because I hear horror stories all the time. And that's not you guys. Man, I, I've been so blessed by, by this church family. I'm so grateful for you. Uh, but, but expect me to not be here for a couple Sundays. I don't know which two Sundays those will be. Uh, I know which two Sundays I'm hoping they will be. But I don't know exactly which two Sundays they will be. But there will be two Sundays that I'm not here. And so that brings me to number seven. Expect God to move anyway. Thank God he doesn't need me. <laughs> he didn't need Noah to build the ark. He sure don't need me to preach. He allows me to be part of the process. And it's such an honor that he allows me to do it. But he doesn't need me. Dwindle's going to be filling in. And, man, there can't, there's not a church anywhere that has a better fill-in than Dwindle Gnomes. I'm so grateful for that man. I'm so grateful for the gift in him. Can we just give him some honor very quickly for what he does? He has graciously agreed to take two Sundays and to not even know when they're coming. Uh, so, so he's ready, he's preparing, he's expecting uh, to be ready, and he's got his two titles. And so we laid this series out to where it, can, it doesn't have to go in a specific order. Uh, so the goal is for me next Sunday to be here and, and us to talk about what's going to happen as a church in 2020 and then for Dwindle to take the next two after that. But if the baby comes this week, uh, then we're going to embrace that and he'll be up here and I'll finish the series at the end of the month with what to expect for the church. But I'm taking that one. He's got the other two titles. So you just show up and see what happens. Uh, you never know uh, what, what's going to be taking place. Um, um, this week on Facebook, if you guys are on Facebook, I'm sure it was a big deal, probably on other social media platforms at all, but there was a story that, that I saw shared by a number of people. It was basically 60, 65,000 college students uh, were worshiping God, breaking in the new year in Atlanta at a conference called the Passion Conference, and uh, a lot of people are celebrating this and excited about this as well they should be. Um, and I saw that uh, over and over again, and it, it took me back to the days when I was that age. I'm a little bit older than that now. In fact, one of the things that I'm expecting in 2020 is I'm expecting to turn 40. Uh, not something I'm looking forward to necessarily, but I prefer it to the alternative of not turning 40, which means I didn't make it. Uh, so I'm expecting to make it to my 40th birthday in 2020. So it's been a few years, but... Um, I got to attend Passion one day back in 2003 in Sherman, Texas, very early in the Passion movement. And we didn't have 60,000. Uh, I think there was about 20,000 of us uh, on a farm uh, out on, on this, this hillside worshiping God. An amazing, amazing, incredible experience. And Louis Giglio, the, the founder, director of the, the Passion movement, has been really foundational leader in my life and somebody who's made a great impact on me through his teachings down through the years. And that whole movement is founded on this verse, and I think this verse so beautifully ties to what we're talking about. It's Isaiah 26, 8. And the Isaiah 26, 8 statement is this, that yes, Lord, walking in the way of your truth, we wait eagerly for you. For your name and your renown are the desire of our soul. It says, yes, Lord, walking in the way of your truth, we wait eagerly for you. Everybody say eagerly. eagerly. We're waiting eagerly for God. What is expectation? It's waiting eagerly. 
It's looking forward to something, right? It's that, that Christmas morning moment, man, where that kid just can't wait to wake up and rip those presents open and, and see what's in there. God, we are waiting eagerly for you to move in 2020. Are you waiting eagerly for God to do something in the new year? Are you waiting eagerly for him to produce something new in you? For God to grow something in you? For God to break something off of you? Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your truth, we wait eagerly for you. For your name and your renown are the desire of our souls. The Daniel fast, the next 21 days is a season of waiting eagerly. I will be waiting eagerly for the potluck. Amen, in Jesus' name, right? Looking forward to that moment of celebration, but more than looking forward to a potluck, I'm looking forward to God to speak. Looking forward to increasing my intimacy with my Savior. I'm looking forward to, to, to resetting some things as the busyness and the stress and the craziness of the holiday season is now behind us. And now I'm going to hone in my focus on the one who loves me the most. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your truth, we wait eagerly for you, for your name and your renown are the desire of our souls. I hope and pray that is your desire. I hope and pray that is what you are looking for and asking for and believing God for in this new year, that he would show up, that he would move, that he would produce. There is great power in expectation. Let's buckle up and watch God do something amazing in us. Amen, church? Tell you what, would you do this? Would you stand and pray with me as we close today? We're gonna wrap up a little bit differently. I'm gonna ask us to do something a little uncomfortable for the 60, 65% of you who are introverts. Man, just humor the extroverts for today. Um, I'm, I'm gonna ask you, would you, if you would, would you just put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you? We're, we're gonna pray for each other today. Um, we're, we're, we're gonna go before God for each other. If you don't know their name, you can just ask them their name real quick and just get that formal introduction. Um, we're gonna expect God to show up in our life and we're gonna expect him to show up in the life of the person next to us. So would you, as, as I pray, we say this all the time here, but it's, so, it's extra important in a time like this is we don't believe that prayer is a spectator sport. Don't just listen to the words coming out of my mouth, man, go before heaven. We believe that you, as a believer in Jesus, you have an open door before the throne room of God. Go before heaven and ask him to, to produce proper expectation in the person next to you, to give them the right goals, to give them the right things to pursue, to give them the right, the, the right path for what God wants to do in their life in 2020 and to do something incredible as they pursue that. Let's pray, church. Father God, I thank you so much for this amazing, amazing room full of people. God, some of my favorite people in the world are in this room. Many of my favorite people in the world are in this room right now. I'm so grateful for each and every one of them. God, I believe that you are not content with where we are in our walk with you. God, you are expecting more of us in 2020. You, you have more in store for us, more planned for us than what we've experienced so far, than what we're walking in right now. So God, right now, we just pray your preparation over us. God, that you would lay out the path for us. God, that you would give us the right goals, the right expectations. God, if we've already started setting goals and, and, and laying out a path for our new year, God, if it's the wrong path, direct our path. God, show us what you want us to pursue in this new year. Show us the things that you want to produce in us. God, we want your very best. 
God, we want to walk in the way of your truth as we wait eagerly for you, God, for your name and your renown are the desire of our souls. God, let that truth reign in each and every one of us in this season, God, of preparation. As we lay out expectations, God, as we produce expectations, you begin to drop things in us, God. We pray for, for anticipation. We pray for, for preparation, God. We pray for participation, God, that we would grab a hold of these things that you are doing, God, and, and, and become a partner with you in the amazing things you want to do in our life, the amazing things you want to do in our church. God, we ask you that each and every person in the sound of my voice would grow in this season, God, over these next 21 days throughout 2020, God, that we would not be the same believers that we were in 2019. God, but we would be more like Jesus. We would be closer to you. We'd be more in tune with your Holy Spirit. God, that we'd be more engaged with the people around us who need you, who are hurting. That we'd be more aware of the opportunities you give us every day to be a blessing and to represent you to the last, the least, the lost, Father God, the lonely. God, that you would use us in these ways, increase our expectation as we do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said.